Welcome to episode 11 of That Classical Podcast. This week, concertos. Hello! Hello! I'm Chris Bland. And I'm Kelly Harlock, and you're listening to That Classical Podcast. Welcome, today, welcome. Oh, welcome. Um, today, well, it's episode 11. We're very, very happy about that. First one in 2017. But, oh, happy New Year. Oh my gosh, happy New Year, guys. <laughs> Has New Year's, as they say. As nowhere. no one says. Nowhere. Um, today, we're going to be talking about concertos concertos okay so this is actually the only viewer listener complaint we've ever had on the podcast (laughs) was in one of our earlier episodes we said concertos rather than concerti and someone was like um actually actually (laughs) anonymous listener i mean we know who you are um both are acceptable, so we're going to be using them interchangeably. There we go. That's what I thought, because I saw it. Concertos written down everywhere yeah. on the on the intranets. So, um, yeah, brilliant. And both totally fine. But, Kelly, I hear you ask, uh, what is a concerto? <laughs> well, um, I'm going to allow our good friend Chris to tell you all about that. Go ahead, go on. Well, so, a uh, concerto at its heart is basically solo instrumental piece performed with an orchestra or other sort of large group. Um, It started in sort of the late Baroque period was when we had the first ones, um, Mm -hmm. usually like what's known as like a concertino group, so a group of two or three instruments playing together with an orchestra. Um, And then this uh, evolves throughout the classical period, so that's when it sort of really Got, got into it. its own yeah. right matured like matured. a good cheese or a wine or a wine <laughs> yeah so classical period is when it really starts to kick off and all the all the big dudes wrote concerti concertos mozart etc yeah. then in um the romantic period that's when you start getting these sort of like rock star instrumentalists oh my gosh um who uh i mean i really hesitate when people are like oh yeah he was like the rock the star rock. <laughs> <laughs> Haydn was the Elvis Presley of his life. But I guess but he was. They oh, pro- he probably had that. swooning fans, but probably because they couldn't breathe in their <laughs> underwear garments. Just saying. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, the concerto ever since the late Baroque period and through the classical and romantic, since then has become one of the established main things alongside the, the symphony in terms of orchestral so, pieces. So to break it down, thank you, that was great. Um, to break it down into layman's terms, as I call them, or just Kelly's terms, um, <laughs> It's basically one instrument yes. with the whole orchestra or maybe a group of instruments behind them. Yes. And in the way I see it, sometimes I view it as like um, a cooperative kind of thing. But sometimes it's more like a battle between the solo and the orchestra. And it's sort of a question and answers or yeah. sometimes just backing each other up. And um, Sure. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of form, it's usually uh, in three movements in the whole piece. Great. And you usually go fast, slow, fast. Great. Don't always have to Classic do Classic move. Yeah. Um, and... Sandwiched in amongst there, you have what's called a cadenza, which is when the Ooh. soloist uh, plays solo, basically. Like, so the orchestra drops out, and they just have a bit of time to show off. To show so off, right. Sometimes this Shamelessly. is written by the composers, or the soloist improvises it, or they Ooh. write their own cadenzas. Nice. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there is lots of scope for the soloist to show off. And then other people, so we're not talking about them today, but Rachmaninoff, his piano concerti in particular. Massive hands. They, they did have big hands. <laughs> As we talked about at length in our Rat Man and Off episode. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, they're often seen as like more collaborative, holistic pieces where the piano is like part of the orchestra. Right. But yeah, in other ones, you've got the sort of the soloist. Those, are my, those are my favourite. Um, that's so great. Yeah. Wonderful. So 
today we're uh -huh. gonna we're gonna have a bit of a smorgasbord aren't we we're gonna oh, do yes. some baroque some romantic stuff and then a modern piece i think Lovely. at the end um so should we just dive in let's do it um it's gonna i'm starting lads lads <laughs> and lasses uh, it's me again hi um so what are you starting this off with well we haven't actually spoken about my good friend vivaldi <gasps> Um, Antonio Vivaldi. Antonio Lucio Vivaldi, oh, um, who was born in 1678, mm -hmm. uh, died in 1741. Quite quite good innings, really, I think, for back the then. Time, yeah, yeah not, not so bad. Um, yeah, so he was an Italian man, and what we call in these here parts a Baroque composer. Indeed. And you're going to know who Vivaldi is, I'm sure. He, Chris, what, what are his <laughs> yeah. That's it. Exactly. Horrible singing. And he composed loads of concertos. Uh, and the one we're hearing today is for the lute. <gasps> the lute. And we haven't heard much of the lute on that classical podcast. We've we've There's ignored not that the lute. Much for the lute. Really, I is there? love the lute. Uh, <laughs> I wish I like played a rubbish the lute. Guitar. Shut up. So just for a bit of background before we listen to it. Uh, so it's it's a concerto for a lute, and it's also for two violins and a continuo in D. Mm. What so, the hell? What in Cthulhu's name is a continuo? I hear you cry. I'll tell you. Um, so when we refer to a continuo, we're basically talking about an accompaniment, usually played by a keyboard instrument, so something like a harpsichord, or maybe another bass instrument like a cello, or a, an old-style double bass, a bassoon, a harp. Basically what it does is it reinforces and embellishes the bass line. Mm. It completes the harmony, and it controls the rhythm and the tempo of the performance. Does a lot of crap. Does a lot of uh, stuff. An old continuo. Um, or a and we should point continuo. out this is um, very much like a Baroque feature. Right, we don't exactly. get yeah, yeah. a continuo section in really any later no, stages. But sort of, no. yeah, that's that's the one easy way that I always find of like, is this piece Baroque? If it's got a continuo it bass got a continuo, or if girl. Yeah. a harpsichord. There we that's go. <laughs> done and done. Um, so yeah, as I said, it's for it's for a lute. Mm. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows what a lute is, but just in case you don't, it's a kind of plucky old medieval. Well, you know what? You say baby, but I went to see when I went to see um, Lorfeo, and they had a proper sort of uh, sort of old period style orchestra. period orchestra. Yeah. Someone was playing a lute that was the size of my flat <laughs> like it was enormous it was so long that's what she said um but also it uh, it a lute can have up to 24 strings really how mental is that yeah sort of 13 to 24 that's how, huge how did... that's what she said yeah. <laughs> um sorry right so um today there are a lot of lutists around but what i would suggest you lutinist do... is actually the word no it's not there are loads what? of different ones there are loads of different ones ah. google it for God's sake. <laughs> well, you're God's the one who's sake. mentioned it. So wait, what's the difference between a lutinist and a lutist? They're the same thing, aren't they? I don't know. You're the one lutist. Okay, expert. what we're going to do is we're going to listen to the piece now. And during that, Chris and I are going to define once for all what we call the person that plays a lute. Here we go. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so turns out that Lutonist and Lutist are both acceptable. Agree to disagree. I will continue <laughs> to say agree. Lutonist. Uh, and I will forever say Lutonist and believe that you're wrong. <sighs> so, did you like it? It's the main thing. <laughs> I did. Um, so, as we I pointed out very briefly in the beginning, so that's obviously Baroque... Uh, period and this was uh, for lute and two violins so this is when we had the like concertino group Aye. of uh, soloists before we moved to what we now think of as a concerto sure. yeah, yeah. but um, yeah it was nice it's sort of <laughs> I quite like how baroque music sometimes is just like here rather than <laughs> I'm playing but I do you know what when I, I I was just saying to Chris I've had that on my playlist for a long time and I've been wondering how to incorporate it into that classical podcast mm. um, and I just think it's a very lovely piece it's it's not overstated it's mm. it's very it's jolly and you know yeah, if no, you're listening nice. to that going down the street it's a good day <laughs> it put a spring in us so where in the um, where in the piece is that so that is the it's the third movement so the, it's the last allegro so it goes allegro largo Allegro. Fast, slow, fast. Fast, slow, fast. Following the rules. Well done, the valley. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's a real good one. So I hope you enjoyed that. And maybe we'll um, we'll bring some more loot pieces back if if you guys are fans. If we can get over our bitter differences on what uh, to call the performance. Probably not. And also, um, stay tuned in future for uh, an no entire. For- <laughs> Get out. Um, we're going to do an episode uh, on Vivaldi and we'll do a big 60 second bio on him and everything like oh, that. Baby. So uh, look forward to that one, lads. Oh my God. It's the Glitical Podcast! Chris, you're up. I am up. So we're swooshing forwards Swoosh. a little while now yeah. um, to a chap called Sibelius. Oh, I know him. I know him well. Very good. Yeah. Um, so he's 1865 to 1957. So Again, good innings. Not a bad innings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He did all right. He did lads. all right. Yeah. Um, so he's a, a man from Finland. Okay. Um, and he's kind of a big dog in Finland. He's sort of... How many big dude. dogs are there in Finland? Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if huskies. you know that, please tweet us. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Specifically in terms of classical music, he's a big dog. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, there are obviously other Finnish composers, yeah. but he's he's the one that they all know the and love. Yeah. Um, and he's mainly known for his symphonies, actually. So he wrote seven big symphonies um, and actually only wrote one concerto ever. Um, so oh, it's wow. a okay. violin concerto we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, and it was premiered in 1904, mm. and as has been the case with some of the other, other pieces we've mentioned on this podcast before, yeah. <laughs> premiere did not go successfully. Oh, I love these stories. These are my <laughs> favourite. What happened? Please tell me everything. Okay, so uh, it was originally going to be premiered in Berlin. Okay. Uh but had to move it to Helsinki for financial reasons. Okay. Couldn't afford to put it on in Berlin. <laughs> Not the same. Um, okay. And so it didn't work with the violinist who was going to play it in Berlin. Mm-hmm. So instead they found a, a local guy called Novacek, a Hungarian. He was basically like a teacher at a conservatoire. Like he wasn't okay. a full-time He wasn't performer. a big dog, what you'd call he a big dog. He was not no. a Finnish big dog. No. Um, so yeah, this poor guy Novacek, Sibelius barely finished the piece in time for the concert. Right. So the the violinist didn't really have much time to prepare it. Right. It's even now like widely recognised as like one of the most fiendishly difficult pieces. He had no time to prepare it. Oh my god. Um, so Novacek just kind of screwed it. He just like played just the played single single little star and, and hope for the best. 
was not very successful I, at all. I absolutely love that. Um, and so this poor guy, who like by all accounts was like a good, a good sure, player, absolutely, but has just been remembered as like a terrible violinist, which is really like totally plopped it up. And he's he performed like other uh, premieres of Sibelius's works and sort of well, what, after after yeah, that. yeah after this like. <laughs> Was a good violinist, yeah. but everyone's just like, oh, he uh, kind Poor of was that guy. Oh, oh no, okay. So, yeah, he's just sort of unfairly remembered as this like terrible. <laughs> so, like, did it take a while then for this concerto to become popular? Then, if if the premier uh, was sort of yes, I know. So Sibelius revised it in 1905, so one year afterwards. Uh-huh. Right, okay, makes sense. And that's the 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 version that is mostly played nowadays. Right. Um, but why don't we take a listen to it now? Yes, please, um, yeah. And see what we feel, what we think about it. So yeah, so as you can hear, that's a bit more sort of what Holy we now think of as like a concerto, <laughs> the soloist. Well, we like we were just saying, uh, could you imagine getting that the music for that a <laughs> couple of hours before the first time it was like, ever played? Oh no! <laughs> oh dear! I, I was also saying, um, the place where I used to work, um, people were coming in to try violins all the time, and this piece almost 
everyone played this piece <laughs> when they were trying out a violin and it's uh, lovely to hear it played well but no that was I mean it's all it's really wonderful it's, it's nice so yeah. Sibelius I think has sort of like without wanting to overgeneralize but like lots of his music sounds very like cold and finished so like sure, the, yeah. the opening the string company at the beginning the sort of oscillating mm. rocking back and, back and forwards uh, that, that pattern they were playing mm. it just sort of uh, really, I don't know, indescribably like just sounds icy. Does that make any sense? It is, yeah. It's quite sort of um, oh, you know exactly. It's just like a very Finnish style of music, but I don't know how to put my finger on it. It's perfect. It's great. Yeah, it's lovely. I love it. I love it. That classical podcast. That classical podcast. Righto. Next up. Righto. We've got another guy who sort of. In what Sibelius was to Finland, oh. this guy is to Norway. So he was one of Norway's biggest dogs as one well. One of the biggest one Norwegian the biggest dogs pooches. there is. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Um, can you guess who I'm talking about? Is it Greek? It is Greek. Oh, baby, I knew that already. That I was mean, cheating, yeah. <laughs> Go on. Um, yes, this is Edvard Grieg. Um, so his, his dates are 1843 to 1907. So a bit of overlap. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was born in the, the Norwegian town of Bergen and basically... It's Greek central there. Like you can't Greek you can't town. move for Greek stuff. Oh my god! Um, Are there little like, Greek like um, what's it? Those nodding, you know, like the nodding bulldogs, the but no- it's like Greek dogs. I wouldn't be surprised. I really hope so. So like everything in that town is named after Some him. Some great like, magnets for your fridge. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All the roads and the halls and yeah. the groups. Like, it must just... be really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, Greek Road next to Greek Street yeah. off Greek Avenue. Yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, so he's one of. <laughs> Greek one of the beloved sons of Norway um, and sort of was super, super popular in his lifetime. 40,000 people went to his funeral in Bergen. So, Whoa. Yeah, yeah, he was like... That, wow. That's Norway good. loves their, loves themselves a bit of Greek. Bloody hell, yeah. Um, so, yet more similarities with Sibelius. Okay. The concerto that he wrote was a piano concerto and was, in fact, also the only concerto that he ever wrote. Um, Fancy that. Which is weird, because like lots of composers, when they write concertos, they wrote like a bunch of them for different instruments. Sure. But these guys were very much one hit wonders. I wonder what happened, whether they thought like, I can't surpass that or it was, oh, that was crap and like, I don't want to try and all. Um, I think Sibelius tried to write a second violin concerto, but pants. never, never, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was pants. I was <laughs> the thinking pants he just concerto. never finished it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Shame. Grieg, uh, 1868, wrote the piano concerto. Mm. Um, again, it's sort of, the fast, slow, fast. It's allegro, adagio, allegro form. Classic, classic. Um, it's just really, really good. I mean, I guarantee, even if you don't know that it's by Grieg or exactly what it's called, mm. when we play it, mm. you'll know it. You're going to know this one, guys. Hit it, Kelly. <laughs> Thank you. 
So what did you make of that, Kelly? I loved it. Yeah, I, 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 I was actually just saying this to Chris. I'll tell you guys as well. Um, pardon my French, but I'm a bit of a bit of a basic bitch when it comes to <laughs> romantic pieces. I can't. As soon as there's lush I, I can't you're... really handle a beautiful cello swooshy <laughs> part. Um, I just love it. I it really that's that's the kind of classical music I I really do love. But what so what uh, I really love about this piece that mm. it just like it turns so quickly from the like super dramatic the yes bam, yes bam, to then these lush beautiful tunes. Right, yeah. Um, so this is based on actually like loads of Norwegian folk tunes. Um, no way. Yeah, so the no piano pieces, it's sort of, it's not like direct copies of any tunes, but it's sort That's of, sick. the structure of it is very similar to lots of Norwegian folk stuff. And also, mm. uh, do you want to feel terrible about yourself today, Kelly? Always. <laughs> um, Mr. Grieg was only 24 when he wrote it. God so, damn. I mean, I'm, I'm 24 now, listeners. I'm 25. And I'm almost 26. <laughs> I am nowhere close to <laughs> doing anything that impressive with my life. No. It's fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Hashtag millennials. Um, yeah, no, that was that was wonderful. It's good, isn't How it? How sad that he only wrote one, though. Well, you mean he wrote some other nice stuff as well. Yeah, that's true. Can you, other stuff by him, do you Actually, know? no, I literally don't. Tell me. In the Hall of the Mountain King, is that yeah. great? Again, another super Norwegian thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. shameful. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> um, please erase that from your memories. <laughs> One other little uh, nugget of information about this concerto before we move on um, is that this was actually the first ever piano concerto recorded ever, ever, ever. Stop it. Stop that. Stop. In, uh, yeah, in 1906. Um, but because of the technological limitations, they had to do like a really, really reduced version of it. So the whole, the proper version... <laughs> Nine is, seconds long. Is the <laughs> proper version is like 30 minutes long. They had to abridge it to six minutes. <laughs> so they just That's like played amazing. it really quickly or... But, yeah. Anyway, that's Greg. <laughs> Thank you. That classical podcast. Yes, it's that classical podcast. All right. Next. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Hello. Hello. Um. Right. So for our final piece, mm. uh, as I said, we're going to go a bit more mod. Oh baby. And we're going to do Prokofiev. Sergei Prokofiev. Yes, Sergei Prokofiev. Um, and today we're going to talk about his piano concerto number three mm-hmm. in C major. Oh, very good. Um, now, Sergei, good old Sergs, was born in 1891. Mm-hmm. He died in 1953. So he's definitely what we would call uh, a modern composer. Mm-hmm. You may know him from such works as Peter and the Wolf and yep. Romeo and Juliet. Um, and you'll definitely Slash know... The Apprentice. That's what I was going to say. So if you've ever watched The Apprentice with um, our Lord Alan Sugar, Sir Alan. Um, you have heard Prokofiev without realising probably a thousand times. It's the it's the dance of the night. So it's... Things like this. Um, and also, just as an aside, did anyone else notice in the last season of The Apprentice, they played the music from The Sims? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> just me? Okay. Um, anyway, so... Prokofiev, um, yes. he wrote operas, symphonies, ballets, concertos, and sonatas. He wrote loads of things. Like, we haven't really brought him up yet on the we've, podcast, we've have never, we? We've never we spoken about him, but he's, he, he's yeah. a really wonderful composer, and we'll probably do an episode on him as well, so don't mm. you worry. <laughs> um, 
As for this piece, he started writing it in 1921, and it's probably thought of as his most popular piano concerto, I would say. Mm. Um, uh, so, as we discussed, the piano is the, the main instrument, and then around him, so it's pretty much a full orchestra. You've got flutes, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, horns, trumpets, trombones, percussion. Your standard orchestra layout. Violins, violins, cellos, other basses. <laughs> you, <laughs> you say it, we got it. Um, and I, I love this piece. I think it's... Mm. It's really exciting and it's unpredictable and it's full of different moods and contrasts and it's full of character and um, I think you're going to really like it. So, so yeah, we can't really show you all the twists no, and turns. No, I think right we're, we're going to play it from the beginning, but please go off and listen to it um, in full. Let, let's listen to it a bit now.
God, that leaps around a bit, doesn't it? I could like <laughs> by two and a half minutes, you've been transported to sort of four different worlds. I think it's wonderful. I love the little castanets. There. Castanets, so so <laughs> unnecessary, but wonderful it's as good. well. Yeah. Also, just in terms of the piano part as well, it's just all over the keyboards, just up and down. It's phenomenal. Uh, the, the skill, yeah, the yeah, technical yeah. skill is is something else, and it is. I say I say this a lot, but it's it's. <laughs> You know, compared to the other concertos we've listened to, it's it's a lot more kind of cinematic or something, isn't it? It kind yeah, of almost yeah, reminds me of like the mean, old yeah. West, like mm. at the beginning, um, and it's just yeah, it kind of transports you. Mm. It, it transports me more than than the older stuff, but yeah. um, I might be a bit biased, isn't it? Um, so that was how many piano concertos do you write in total? I think he wrote five. Yeah. Um, and that was number three. That was number three. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and yeah, totally suggest that you go and, and listen to the other ones. They are they are fantastic mm, to you. Mm. Um, but that's my personal save. Very nice. Um, yeah. Hope you enjoyed. One, two, three, four. That classical podcast. Have you learned about concerto slash concerti today? If so, please contact us at the following pages. Chris, take it away. Uh, well, what I've mainly learned is that we should call lute players lutonists. Oh. Uh, not what? lutists, even though it's apparently an acceptable alternative. Suck it, Bland. <laughs> no. Um, please tell our listeners where they can uh, contact us. <laughs> <laughs> if, you have, if you come down strongly on lutonist versus lutist, please do let us know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're That Classical Podcast. Yep. Nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Twitter, at That Classical. Yes. We're on Instagram at that classical insta. We are, yeah. You can email us that classical email at gmail.com. Drop us a line. <laughs> or um, if you'd like to leave us a review yes, on iTunes, that yes. does help us out a lot in terms of getting the podcast seen visible. We would love that. Um, so please do pop along to iTunes and maybe leave us a little five star yeah, review. That'd go be very on. Nice. You know you want to. Um, otherwise, we look forward to seeing you next time, everyone. Absolutely. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 B